Exchange Bible Study, days 341 and 342, and we are starting in 2 Chronicles, chapter 7 and 8. And chapter 7 is a pretty incredible chapter, right? I mean, it's it's more and bigger than what we saw in the last chapter. Um, we saw in the last chapter that as they finished building the temple and they were uh, having, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles arrived, that God's presence was there. But then Solomon finishes his prayer I'll just read it, verse 1. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible, right? Um, fire coming from heaven, consuming the offering they'd made for him, and, and the glory of the Lord, so something more than what we saw before, is now filling the temple. Verse 2. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled that Lord's house. The, the glory was so strong and, I don't know, overwhelming. They couldn't even go in the temple, right? Um, it, obviously, again, I think we said this yesterday, but this is a picture of God's glory entering his end time people in a way that's just never been seen before. Mm-hmm. You see that? Um, three, when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. It's pretty much as simple as that, right? The people being filled with awe and wonder that God is good and his love endures, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go on and they, you know, they make all the sacrifices. It kind of tells the stuff that Solomon's about. And uh, and then the Lord shows up to Solomon again in a dream, right? This is a dream, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, did I choose this? Did Solomon finish the house of the Lord and King's house? All Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, so... I'm assuming dream, but maybe not. Um, I have heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. 13. When I shut up the heavens. So he's, he's blessed them, right? It, it talks about going up above um, on the 23rd day of the seventh month. He sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad for, of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and Solomon and to Israel, his people. So he's just blessed them incredibly, right? But and he says to Solomon, I, I hear your prayer, and I will bless you. However, 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So he knows they're going to turn away from him. Mm-hmm. Right? And he says, but this promise is there. If they will turn back, humble themselves. Recognize that their ways are wicked. And turn back to me. I will heal them. I will bless them. And then he said, but the flip side's there too. 19. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you. So if you don't walk in my ways... And go and serve other gods and worship them. Go and serve 
other philosophies, other ways of living, other ideas, worldly pursuits and passions. Then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you in this house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all people. It's a strong warning. Uh, chapter 8. Um, I just found this interesting. Verse 11 is kind of a picture because we see this picture um, a lot throughout Scripture. Uh, Revelation shows it very clearly as a prophetic thing to come. Um, so, but he, I just referenced it. Micah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm got a teaching on this that maybe will be tomorrow we'll see but uh micah references isaiah references it solomon this is verse 11 solomon brought pharaoh's daughter up from the city of david to the house that he had built for her for he said my wife shall not live in the house of david king of israel for the places to which the ark of the lord has come are holy so he moved her out away from the ark right Woman cast out in the wilderness. It's a familiar theme, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I just find it interesting. Solomon, even though he married her, has some recognition that this isn't appropriate. Um, and so he's moved her away from where the Ark of the Lord had been. Okay. And we move to Second and Third John. It's two short books. They're fairly similar. They're, they're both one... You know, what we've made one chapter, and they're just short letters, instructional letters to people in a specific place. I don't know that it it's, it names the place, but it, it, I mean, it appears very direct. Let's see, verse 4, 2 John 4. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. So, you know, John's getting later in life. He's, he's rejoicing. What does he find joy in? That her, this, this woman's children, I don't know if they're natural children or uh, children in the spirit, but they're walking in the truth, right? They're actually following the Lord. And he's just he's finding no greater joy in this. But he says, here's the commandment. He says, it's not a new commandment. It's always been the commandment that we love one another. Mm -hmm. Right? That we as God's people mm -hmm. become a family. That we are a family. That we behave in such a way that, that take care of one another. Right? Six. And this is love. So what is love? That we walk according to his commandments. Mm -hmm. so that we walk according to the way of God, right? That we just got done talking about that. Mm -hmm. What God told Solomon. I will bless you if you walk in my ways. Right? Mm -hmm. John's saying the same thing. This, it's the commandment. Walk in the way of God. Follow God's leading. And you're in a blessed life. You're in God's love. And that will encompass loving others that's always at the heart of his commandment this is a commandment just as you have heard from the beginning so that we should walk in it for many deceivers have gone out in the world those who do not confess the coming of jesus christ okay I, I talked about that last time but that was the main point i wanted to make and, and he does talk about not um 
he warns them when, when we have false prophets not to take them in. And what he means by that is take care of them, give them a free place to stay and food to eat so that they can teach a false message. He said, by doing that, you're participating in their message. We had uh, a few years back, or you probably don't remember it. I don't remember how many years it was, but it, was, yeah, it seemed like when we were first new here, for some reason when we were new here, there were a lot of, there were Mormons coming by, there were Jehovah's Witnesses coming by. There's just a lot of people coming by. And um, and so these Mormons, you know, they're generally, of course, they they always are nice, right? And And we were, you know, I like talking about, spiritual things. <laughs> so I engaged in the conversation, open to see if they're willing to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. And so they, they came by a couple times. Um, and, um, you know, there's young guys, they send these guys out, they're like 18 years old. And um, that, so I, my guess is a lot of doors that they knock on are <laughs> slightly intimidated by them, maybe, or, I mean, I, I'm sure most people just put out by them, but, um, that put out, it means frustrated that they're having to deal with them. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> but, you know, here I am, someone who feels quite confident in the way of the Lord that I'm walking in, right? <laughs> and, uh, I was quite <laughs> intrigued to talk to these young guys. They call themselves elders, which I find foolish. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, but, uh, you know, after after a few times, it was clear they're not open. I, um, I think one was more open than the other, but um, that they send them out by twos on purpose. I mean, Jesus did that, so I'm not saying it's not biblical, but the one keeps the other in check if one of them is... Uh, you know, more likely to go astray of the Mormon teaching. But they, um, but we had a friend comment on this, uh, care, uh, mommy's, uh, mommy's friend said, well, are, are you concerned about what Second John says? But we weren't making their, we weren't providing them a place to stay and feeding them so that they could preach Mormonism in this area. We just let them in our house. So I don't see that as the same thing at all. Right. Um, anyways, Third John goes and looks at kind of the opposite direction. Okay. Uh, verse two says, but let's see, and I highlighted that last time. Five, beloved, it is faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers that they as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You do well to send them on the journey in a manner worthy of God. So he's he's writing to this Gaius. And he's he's saying, God bless you, because people who represent the truth are coming to you, and you are helping them. You are giving them a place to stay. You are feeding them and helping them with their work for the Lord. And so he says, you share in the blessing that they receive for doing the work of the Lord. Your hospitality to a brother, even though you didn't know this brother, is uh, to your credit in the Lord's accounts. You see that? Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Um, so, anyways, I, I don't have, these are short books, and I don't have much more to say on that. And next, we're finishing the book of Habakkuk, chapters 2 and 3. 
And so this is a famous portion of verses 2 and 3 and, and 4. 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So, you remember, he's, and it starts out by saying, I stand on my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. You remember that the last chapter ended with him making a long complaint to God. And so now he's waiting on God to answer him. Right? And he says, write the vision out that I've shown you. Right? And make it plain. Send it out. Speak it out. He says, so he he may run who reads it. They would have they would send runners in those days. Like we might send an email or a text or something today. Uh, they would send runners to run with a message. We've done that with you guys before, right? If one of you's playing at a friend's house, <laughs> we might send the other one to run and go to give them a message to come home. <laughs> so that's what they did. That was the way they communicated back then. And uh, he says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. He says, God's timing is not our timing. So hold fast to the promises of God and what he has said and wait for it. It, just because this is something I had to learn earlier in years where I would hear something from God and know for certain it was God speaking. And then it didn't happen right away. And if I had to learn <laughs> just because God says something's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen when you think it's going to happen. It's like, was it Jeremiah that complains, God, it's been 23 years. When is this going to happen? <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes God will show you something in order to help you prepare your heart and your life for it. Sometimes it gives you uh, endurance to make it through the difficulties he's going to put you through in order to refine your character to be ready for the promises. Um, other times it's bigger things in the world, maybe, that he wants you to have understanding so, you, so that your life can be slowly shaped towards that new reality. Who knows? It could be all sorts of things. But he understands time and he uses it for his purposes. But he says, but don't forget. See, many can just forget. Oh, it didn't happen right away. I'm going to forget it and go on to new things. He says, if I've said it, it's important. Hold fast to it. Write it down. Remember it. Okay? Four. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. So here he's distinguishing between the person who is puffed up and going on in his own ways and those who live by faith. Those who live by faith are righteous. They live in the right way of God, right? Mm -hmm. uh, verses 13 and 14. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing. He, most of this chapter is about judgment coming on the ways of people, ways of man. Right, mm -hmm. um, but he says uh, they're they're spending all their energy on nothing. I will destroy what they're spending energy on. Fourteen for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So it will be like the days of Noah, 
What's the days of Noah? The earth fill with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's wonderful and exciting. This, um, as he changes things, and it's scary for most people, he's doing it to bring glory to himself and to fill his people. Habakkuk 3, 6. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. They also go on to talk about floods and stuff. And um, it, I, I just, again, I just mentioned it. So I'm mentioning it again. It strikes me how similar this is to things that Micah said, that Isaiah said. Um, he says, I will bring low the many various ways of man, how they have puffed themselves up. <clears throat> So that Mm -hmm. those who look to learn my ways and walk in my ways are lifted up above all these other things. Right? And the the book ends, starting in 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So he ends all this. He started the book complaining, right? Mm -hmm. But he ends the book saying... The Lord's way is good and right, and I will walk in it, and I will rejoice, because he is God, and I am his. Mm -hmm. And we finish in the Psalms. We're going to do 117 and 118. We're supposed to start 119, but we'll lump that in with the next one tomorrow, since that's a long psalm, and we're going to be doing that over multiple recordings. So 117, it fits very well with what we were just reading about, right? I'll I'll read the entire psalm to you. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. So we just talked about this, right? Remember when the um, the fire of God came down on the offering, the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and what did the people say? They worshipped him, and they said exactly this, right? Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord, His his love, his faithfulness endures forever. Um, Psalm 118 starts the same way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And, um, yeah, it's a great psalm. There's, uh, there's kind of famous part, but I talked about all, a lot of those things last time we went through it, so I'm going to talk about different parts. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So this is kind of in line with what we were just talking about in Habakkuk, right? The Lord being my strength. 16, the right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. He can be depended on, right? So that I will not fear anything but the Lord. Mm-hmm. He is all powerful over everything and I am his. So if I am his and he's all powerful over everything... Why would I even concern myself with any problem in this world? Mm -hmm. Something exterior that other people (laughs) are telling me I should be scared of? Or something with a personal relationship? Or whatever. Why -hmm. should I be scared of any of it? I am the Lord's. And He loves me. And He's all-powerful. I am giving Him His life. And I say, Lord, if I'm not walking in Your ways, correct me. Because I want to walk in Your ways. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is the giver of blessings, right? He has my future in his hands. So whatever that looks like, I'm content to take up his will. 
And I will do my best, because she's not constantly telling me what to do, right? So I will do my best to live my life in the ways that he has taught me and built up my wisdom and understanding throughout this life so far, always being quick to say, Lord, show me any way I need to be corrected, right? Mm -hmm. And if this is how I'm living, and I honestly know that, because we can lie to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Depends on what idol we have in our heart, right? Mm -hmm. That wants us to not see it as such an idol. Mm -hmm. But if we're truly saying, Lord... I want to walk in your ways. Then why would anything in this world bother us? Mm -hmm. Right? 18. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Well, Hebrews says, what father does not discipline his son? But he does it for his good. And when we get older, we realize our father was blessing us by trying, doing his best to teach us the ways to grow up and mature with wisdom and understanding in this world. But God has perfect wisdom and understanding. And so when he disciplines us, it is always for our good. Because I've made mistakes and with you guys, right? I try to always grow and get better as a parent. God is the mm -hmm. perfect parent, right? Mm -hmm. And so as Hebrews says, if God doesn't discipline us, then we are not sons of God. It's quite simple, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the psalmist understood this long before. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the way of righteousness. We just talked about that too. Lord, what is the way of righteousness? It's walking in the way of the Lord. Right? What is sin? Missing the mark of the Lord. Right? Shooting an arrow, missing the mark. That's the definition of sin. Or that's the picture of it. So, what is the righteousness? Walking in the way of the Lord. Walking in the will of the Lord. Right? This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Okay, I think that's all I have. you have anything else? No. God bless you. God bless you.